0: Welcome back to Our Street, Lynn Fisher here in the flesh, with my buddy Kurt Elder. Hi, Kurt.
1: Lynn, how's it going? Can you believe it? We're Damn. back.
0: Back in the studio. You
1: know, Amazing. Uh, you know. I think our listeners could can probably relate to this. That when you've been away from something for so long and you come back to it, you just start pacing. And and our previous host Grubstake was just you know harassing me and you know, rightfully slow about... I think you've paced a hole in this floor, Curry. Well, you were so. worried
0: about what button to push.
1: I was worried about what button to push, Lynn. Well, we're here. We're live and ready to go. So
0: tonight we have a continuation of our uh, interviews with candidates for public office. And we have a return guest tonight, uh, Matt Schulte, who's running for District 3 for the county board. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Thanks. I was glad to be here. I appreciate the invite. You bet. So... Uh, well, you're an old hand at this, but uh, we're going to, for those few listeners who don't know you, why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourself, give us some background. Sure. And then we'll uh, find out why you're running for county board.
2: Yeah, so I uh, was originally born in Lincoln. I went to elementary school here and then I uh, ended up graduating high school out in Grand Island. My family moved to GI. And then post high school, I left the state's. Uh, went out of state for college and then moved back here about 11 years ago as we started having our kids. I wanted to be a little closer to some good family values, wanted to be closer to some family in particularly as well. And so, and moved here for the job. I'm the executive director at Campus Life down on Pine Lake Road. We do some outreach programs for middle and high school kids, whether they're in jail, whether they're pregnant and parenting, or just kind of attending a normal middle high school. So that's what, that's what brought me back to Lincoln, and we love it. We're all in. Well, that's great. I know uh, my wife and I brought our kids
0: back to Lincoln for that very purpose, to get them in the school system and raise them in Lincoln uh, uh,
1: years ago, many years ago, because my kids are growing. I've got grandkids <laughs> now. So, so just to even build upon that, came back, and, but there's been a, a gap between then and now. What have you been up to?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, in my 11 years here at Campus Life, I uh, obviously, you mentioned I've been on earlier. I was on the school board for four years. I was a, did a term on the school board. I also ran for another office unsuccessfully, um, but just have continued to just want, feel like we need good, solid leaders in our local government. And uh, about a, just over a year ago, as my wife and I were thinking about it and praying about it, we had decided, hey, let's, county commission fits some of my skills, some of my interests. Like I mentioned earlier, we do a program for preg- for teens that are in jail. So I've been visiting a volunteer for kids that are in jail in the Lancaster County jail system for about eight years. And so that was a big part of our interest in deciding to run for the Lancaster County board. And then like a lot of us, in November and December last year, we got redistricted. So we were now in a new district, had a new kind of timeline we had to reconsider. And so decided to throw my name in the hat and, and get out there and run for county commission, county board of commissioners.
0: All right. Very good. And you have a couple of opponents. Yeah. Uh, on the Republican side. Yeah. Are, and there are, are there any Democrats running?
2: Yeah, it's a unique race. So it's a partisan race, which means only one Republican advances and then typically would face off against a Democrat. But there is no Democratic opponent, so this race ends May 10th, 29 days from now. All right. So, so whoever
0: gets the most votes, and does it, does it have to be 50% or more for any one person or just nope, the majority just votes? No, just the
2: majority votes of the Republican Party nominees um, then advances as the nominee. Yeah, so. sure. So in prior times when you've had
1: candidates come on, we often lead with the line of how many shoes have you gone through? Cause there's always knocking and talking, <laughs> but we, but we've done a number of these you know, interviews during, during the time of COVID and that yeah. wasn't always possible. Um,
2: tell us a little bit about how you're reaching out and engaging. Yeah. And We we'll are, we are being very proactive and getting out and knocking on doors. Actually just yesterday knocked on almost 200 doors, me and a couple family members. And so we were working really hard yesterday out knocking on doors. I've really only had of the, oh man, I don't even know for sure. I I could have calculated the number of doors, um, but th- over a thousand doors, probably approaching 2000 doors. Of those people we've talked to, I've really only had one person when I knocked on their door, you know, put on a mask and really show some extreme COVID caution. I think for the most part, people recognize we're outside, we're having a conversation. I'm not entering their house. <laughs> so um, but yeah, I've been out we're knocking doors, making a bunch of phone calls, doing some direct mail, all that sort of stuff. All so. that good
1: stuff. So <clears throat> you had just said that as the majority winner gets that nomination and will be that person coming in, they will be the new county county commissioner. Just trying to understand what, what the district looks like. <laughs> so so there's a number of Republicans. How many of them are registered, registered to vote within that area?
2: Uh, there's a... Well, I don't know how many are registered, but there will be about 14, 12 to 14,000 Republican votes cast. And of
1: those, district. what percentage of them vote in city elections like this?
2: So, it, so it, the district includes a chunk of the south edge of city, but then it also includes a bunch outside the city. Sure. So there's a lot of people in Hickman, Firth, Panama, Hallam, sure. um, Denton that are in the district as well. Um, so I guess I don't know for sure of those fourteen. How many thousand? How many are in a city election? I can tell you this: um, mail-in ballots went out last week, and there was about thirty-five hundred Republican mail-in ballots sent out, and almost three thousand of them were in the city, and five hundred were outside the city.
1: Well, yeah. so you know, if we look at like a normal city election, you know, we usually get about thirty percent just return rate, and in So that'd be about 4,200 total voters. Yeah. So if if that number holds true, we're on a perhaps a good record-breaking election (laughs) this season. It's
2: possible. It's really possible. So as I, now we're still a little early on to know for sure, but we're seeing not quite as many mail-in ballots as two years ago, but still significantly more than four years ago, which. Right. And, And so it's the reason that I bring it up of that is that, you know, when
1: campaigns, you know, when there is so many mail-in ballots within the city in different areas, there's just d- different strategies and just yeah. how you have to get your message out and how you plan out your knock-walk talks and all,
2: all yeah. that. Just <laughs> it's just a it's just an operation. Yep, it is. It does it takes a lot of work and and we're we're playing quite the strong ground game to make it happen. So, wonderful. Yeah. so well, wonderful. So go ahead. I
0: was going to say, let's talk about some issues.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: do you, can you describe what differentiates you on? particular issues from your opponents?
2: Sure, so I am running against an incumbent. One of the opponents, Deb Shore, has been on the county board for 20 years. Travis Filing is brand new into politics. No, I shouldn't say that. He is actually on the city, um, I don't know what it's called, the City Council of Panama. It's a different name, but same idea. So- Board of Trustees, perhaps. Uh, there, there it is. So all three of us have been involved before. Um, as I tend to look at it, I tend to think, hey, this is a Republican primary. So how should a Republican decide? Um, I don't believe that they should decide necessarily on uh, personality. Um, I, although if there's some ethical issues or something like that, obviously you'd want to address that. I don't see that in any of us. But in, and instead, I would say we need to be measuring the candidates based on the agreed upon values that the Republican Party has set. The Republican Party has set a series of values, both locally through our county party and through our state party, and that's what we should measure candidates on. So things like um, fiscal responsibility, making sure dollars are being spent as much, you know, size of government, government um, impeding on our um, liberties. Um, There's, you know, the Republican County Party has a very strong stance on pro-life, you know, all these sorts of things and that's how I feel like the Republican... You, as a Republican voter, can really find out best. Don't look at personality. Don't look at who's the prettiest or the handsomest or got the cutest family. Although I, I will win the cutest family yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but instead, let's, I think Republican vote, voters should measure based on their ability to deliver on the platform. And so... So,
1: so I, I, I can see how... A voter can decide on some of those things, but how does the county commissioner affect pro-life issues in the county?
2: That's a good question. So, generally, there is not a lot of pro-life stuff that happens in the county. Um, However, there has been times in the past where the county has proposed funding for Planned Parenthood. Um, As a matter of fact, the 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 sitting commissioner did propose funding for Planned Parenthood. So, while they're not necessarily creating policies or anything like that, that that decides whether or not abortions should happen in Lincoln, but the funding of Planned Parenthood would be a way that the county has attempted to lean in on that before. And you would
1: agree that Planned Parenthood is more than abortion? Yeah. Okay. Just just saying that that's your submission words. That's
0: all. So let's talk about uh, some other issues. How about uh, the jail system? You mentioned that. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, The county jail, and you've spent a lot of time working with teens.
2: So teens are in a particular part of the county jail. They're not the general population. Correct. They got actually a totally separate facility. Um, if you're uh, if you're picture you driving out of downtown Lincoln, you got the McDonald's on your left, those big huge grain bins right. on the right, the penitentiary right in front of you. On the top of the hill behind the penitentiary is the Lancaster County Youth Services Center. That is the jail, county jail for teens. Okay. And each night, thirty ish. Kids, teens are in jail up there as a part of the county system. Um, then there's two other juvenile facilities in Lincoln as well, but they're actually state facilities. But the yeah. county
0: jail for teens is a separate building. Now, is this, is this where they're waiting, or where they're being? They've they're serving a sentence.
2: Uh, for the most part, if they are kids that are ending up there are awaiting trial or serving out a short sentence. Um, but you know, or doing a drug evaluation, some other kind of mental health evaluation. So for the most part, they're not there permanently. If a kid, if a teen gets charged with an aggravated assault or a or weapons charge, they will be there until they're convicted, assuming they're convicted. Then they get transferred to the state penitentiary system, which takes them out of town. Okay. So,
0: What, what would you like to see? Change about the county system.
2: The number one thing that needs to change in the county juvenile justice system is we need more beds in group homes and um, uh, mental health facilities for teens. So many teens up there are. You can also end up there. For, you can end up there for a number of different reasons, but they're awaiting a placement. And, you know, they're waiting while the judge assigns them to go to Boys Town. They're waiting for the judge to assign them. There's a few other group homes in town. And so many of those facilities are limited in their number of kids that they can take. And I believe that's one of the number one needs that juvenile justice system needs is places for kids to be go.
1: Wasn't there a recent article in the, in the Journal Star about something about this issue, about people are waiting so long, even at the regional center, to you know, find a placement, a treatment? And they were just sitting in the county jail before they could actually yeah. get services.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's what's happening at the adult, the adult system as well, adult level as well. And I think what's happened is that there was, over the course of our, say, last 20 years, there was such a desire to get away from major, major mental health institutions that we shut those down or limited those. Well, now we're paying the price for that. Now, we don't have those big facilities where, where adults or teens can be serviced because that was sort of a mentality or mindset we as a community and really, frankly, across America yeah. decided is we moved away from those being okay to not being okay. And now we're in the place where we desperately need those facilities to come back online. We need more beds in uh, mental health um, institutions. So the, the pendulum swung
0: right? too far towards you know not having facilities to hold the, the the people that needed the help the most correct yeah. and cuz i know and the homeless problem in lincoln is probably not nearly as as prevalent as you see in other parts of the country but yep. nevertheless i know there are people that probably living on the street that really should be getting some help for mental yep. health issues and substance abuse issues as well yeah so and and the the state legislature they were working on a bill or a proposed bill to reform the prison system, which is a state issue, but it all kind of filters down, doesn't it? The jails have to hold people that um, are waiting, awaiting trial, and, and there's just a whole, whole bunch of backlogs on facility capacity, right? Yep. Both for the state and the county. Yep, absolutely. So you would propose to spend more money? for more beds?
2: That's what I would like to see is I would like to see and now I'm not exactly I mean it's you can have different ways that lead to it do it does it need to be a county owned facility? Maybe maybe not for the most part like I mentioned Boys Town is a place that kids are going Wix is a place that are going there are some those are not state run places but there are some state run places as well like uh, YRTC and stuff like that which are state run facilities and so probably a combination of those things both need to increase to meet the need.
0: We're going to take a short
2: break and
0: when we come back I want to ask you about just the general budget for the count. you studied that so don't go anywhere. We'll be back here in just a couple of minutes after a short break. Welcome back to Our Street. Lynn Fisher and Kurt Elder here as always and we're having a really good conversation with a return guest Matt Schulte who's running for the District 3 uh, County Commissioner position and in the first half of our show we talked a lot about uh, the issues and background that uh, we wanted to hear about from matt but issues about the jail and those sorts of things and i wanted to ask you matt about the um the budget yeah the county budget there's never enough money yeah how did the arpa money that we that the, the state has been able to get i think it's 1.1 billion dollars any of that money come to the
2: county Yes, there was a big chunk that came to the county and has been distributed. I believe there's still some of that ARPA money that is available for distribution. And here's what I feel like every remaining ARPA dollar should go to infrastructure. Um, There's been enough, I guess I'll say, handouts might be sort of the derogatory term, but there's been enough handouts from our local, from government to organizations to individuals, let's focus on the real needs of our community right now with the remainder, remaining dollars. And I believe that that's infrastructure.
1: Can you be even more specific on what kind of infrastructure that you think that money should go
2: to? Sure. Absolutely. I think there's two things that the county has um, habitually underfunded in infrastructure. Um, One is we've got a number of bridges that keep getting shut. They're shut down and closed. There's no reason for that. If we've got some dollars from the federal government, let's use it to reopen those bridges. And the second thing I mean is I mean roads and particularly 68th Street. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have driven down to Norris recently, but there's been no improvement on that road. In Hickman, that town has just grown like crazy Norris's school district is going like crazy, and massive chunks of that road don't have a shoulder. And it's a high-trafficked road.
0: And there's a lot of dangerous accidents there, I know, with deer, uh, crossings, and just cars in general, uh, going off the road or flipping in the ditch and that
1: sort of thing. But just just to build on that, you know, again, the current board has spoken with their attorney. He's working with the county engineer. Surely the board, is in general, they know those issues. Don't you think if they could spend the money on that, they would have? And the point being is that we've been told that that kind of money can't be spent on those kind of uses, except for those kind of facets that involve water. So why are you going down this road? Pun intended.
2: <laughs> um, I don't believe that there was a limitation on that. How no, many folks was. on water? No, there was.
0: Um, well. I. We asked the question a couple of times to to other folks on on this issue, and I had suggested that if there are restrictions, which I I think there are on some of the ARPA funds, that surely there's ways to be creative in the budget and say, if we spend money over here where it's allowed, doesn't that take some pressure off the general funding where that money can be redirected towards bridges and roads? That's my personal opinion. I don't know if that's actually the case, but I know- I that think
1: that's
2: a pretty fair we've take been, on it, We've yeah. been
0: told a couple of times that there are some restrictions,
2: but- It seems to me like the restrictions have been getting looser and looser as we've gotten further out from the real COVID originally. Um, for example, culverts weren't allowed to be replaced with, AR- with ARPA dollars. Now they've expanded it where culverts can be replaced right. with ARPA dollars. So there's been a pretty massive- I shouldn't say mass. Maybe that's a little overspeak, but there's been a very significant loosening of restrictions for how those dollars are supposed to have been used.
1: Right. So just just following up as well, you had said that, let me find my right note here, that uh, handouts to nonprofits that some of those need to stop. We've had other candidates call that uh, special interest and that it's not a good use of money. Uh, can you pick out a, a specific nonprofit that did not deserve that money?
2: Uh, I can... I, I believe that there are, I looked at who the nonprofits were that got ARPA funds. Um, very closely, I'm actually on a committee that oversee that is involved in that process. I do believe that there are a couple where they were just asking for big dollar amounts, just to ask for big dollar amounts and they got them. So um,
1: I need an exact explicit example.
2: I, there's one project where they all of a sudden have a building project that's $15 million that they're asking for. Um, And it's the Malone Center. The Malone Center, it looks to me like, created a building project right away. I don't know that for sure. That's the way it appeared to me. And they got a major piece of funding for that from the county.
0: Okay. So infrastructure, other aspects of the budget, Uh, setting aside the ARPA funds. Yeah. The normal, uh, outside of the times when we have those windfalls, what would you like to see done, done differently about the budget and the priorities and the, you know, I know that we've talked about this before many times on this show over the last decade, that the county has mandates that come down from the state and the federal government and that the, the wiggle room and the discretionary amount of the budget is, is really pretty limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got you know the health department and the jails and the sheriff's department and on and on. And when you look at all those different departments and their needs and the mandates that are, that are set forth, that there's uh, not a lot that can be done from the, the county board's perspective, but you've studied this, I'm sure. Yeah. What would you like to see done differently? How would you tweak the priorities?
2: So uh, first of all, actually, I would like to step back a second and say, yes, there are some priorities that could be tweaked. But I think actually as I'm out talking to people knocking on doors, the number one issue that keeps popping up and you've heard it probably a million times is property taxes right. are too high. Right. And I think the Lancaster County Board is a great example of that. Over the last um, 11 years, the budget has grown 178% faster than inflation. So over the last 10 years, the county budget is just massively growing compared to inflation. And so when I look at that, I go, yeah, there are some needs, but the, the money to fund this is coming out of our pockets. And, and that's what voters are telling me is the biggest problem. They're not actually too concerned. I they don't generally have a specific thing that they can point to and say this needs to change other than it's too much and the amount needs to come down. So I, I'm not at a place where I'm saying, hey, we need to slash – you know, we don't, we can't slash property taxes in half all of a sudden, but we do need to slow this growth down.
1: So uh, there's also another option, which is having people who create that growth pay for it. So part of that solution could be having the countywide impact fee. So as the county grows, they help pay for it.
2: What do you think of that idea? Um, I'm not f- super familiar with the countywide impact fees, um, sure. because, Yes, that could address a portion of it, but that also really limits the ability to grow
1: the. In it's the, the people from Hickman want to get up the way really on that road, which isn't a, you know, a city city road, and that's just a county road. Yeah. shouldn't they pay a, f- a fee to increase the the capacity or quality of that road, and, and, and instead of the city in general itself?
2: I well, the first of all, just a reminder: this would be coming from the county, not from the city, but right, talking right. about people sure. who live in the city. Yes. I mean, there is an option there. Um, that was an option that was explored very thoroughly recently. Uh, I think it was about two years ago when they were looking specifically at some wheel taxes that would be in the county to go to sp- some specific roads that were happening. And that got shot down pretty hard and fast by people outside of the city. So they wanted <laughs> to complain but not fix it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Let's switch over to the South Beltway. That's underway. Sure.
2: That's it's a great one. to be...
0: Essentially, what another year will be open, another year to finish it completely. Uh, economic development opportunities along the South Valley. Yeah. What do you see?
2: Yeah, there's some. I I've had the chance to cross that and and look down the roads several times as I've been crisscrossing the district, um, talking to people in different parts of the district. It's beautiful. I'm super excited to it's see. It's all it. in your district, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it all would be in the district. Um, and so it's beautiful. i um, excited to see it happening. Obviously, some great opportunities. I've, I've got a friend who's got some pretty significant land, right? And you're one of them that's hoping to see some development happen over time. I think it's going to feel like it comes fast 10 years from now, but it's going to be a pretty slow process to get started on some of those. But I'd like to see some... There's been a long time talk about putting possibly a movie theater down here in the Southeast corner of Lincoln to make it accessible to people outside of town, take advantage of some bigger pieces of property. I'd like to see that happen in Southeast Lincoln. I'd like to see something over near 77 and where the new bypass is going to come yeah. in. Some either commercial use space. I am not don't have a very specific thing in mind. We've probably got enough box stores, big yeah. box stores. <laughs> well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about you know years ago when the
0: 27th Street corridor that was all connected with, with the interstate. You know those those intersections up there and, and the development over the last 10, 20 years has just been unbelievable. And you can imagine the same thing over the next 10 or 20 years is going to happen
1: on the South Beltway with the opportunity. there. And there's no salt. Creek Tiger Beetle down there. Yeah, <laughs>
0: oh, that's right. Well, you watch out. They might find the, they, they, the South it. the south Salt Creek. Uh,
2: the, you know, something. the big infrastructure limiter down there in southern part of Lancaster County is going to be this wind farm that's been approved because it's going to really inhibit some of the growth because you've got some land being permanently converted into these big wind farm towers, which I am supportive of using some non-fossil fuel elect- uh, or energy sources but where we put it does matter, and I think that is going to be, could be one of the inhibitors of growth in that area of the county. Well, if people wanted to look at a
0: map in the county and see where that wind farm area has been approved, is that on the county website? Do you know? I
2: I have not seen that on the county website. I have seen it. From the company that is constructing those big towers, I what, do not what see what communities
0: are, are they close to.
2: Uh, Bennett, pa- Panama, Hallam, Firth um, areas are the ones that were. And how
0: how many have they approved? How many towers?
2: I do not know that number off the top of my head, but it's in the sixty to eighty range. It's okay. a lot, and they are con- concentrated or spread out. They're they're. I mean, they have to be pretty spread out because of the spaces that's needed, but there you'll be able to see a lot of them from one view. And and I'm I'm just not familiar with the the, the whole approval
0: process. The company who's going to do those, they have to negotiate with the landowners individually? Correct. Is there any eminent domain involved?
2: I am not familiar with any eminent domain going on, but they are having to negotiate exactly with the landowners to acquire the land to build them. Um, A lot of the, I guess I'll say... Noise I've heard about it is not from the people who own the land they're selling it, but from the people who are having a big tower constructed in what they perceive to be their backyard and okay. changing their, their view and their experience in southern and Lancaster County.
0: One, one last issue, and then we'll, we'll, we'll give you an opportunity to tell our listeners about how to get more information from you. The solar uh, farm that's been approved... Yeah. What was your opinion about that?
2: I, my concern about, one of my concerns about the solar and wind farm is infringement on property rights of people that are already in the area. And so I do have some concerns about it. Um, and I think probably anybody um, who owns land out in that area is significantly bothered by those. Okay. So for our listeners, if they want to find out more
0: about you and your, your uh, campaign, how do they do that?
2: Yeah. So my name is Matt Schulte. I'm a Republican running for the Lancaster County Board of Commissioners. Um, you can look more for me on VoteSchulte.com. You can also search for Vote Schulte on Facebook. You'll find me there. On my website's my phone number. Don't hesitate to give me a call. I'll be glad to talk. And, and Schulte is S-C-H-U-L-T-E. That's correct. All right, Matt, thanks for coming on the show
0: again. Good luck to you. And we hope to see you again here sometime.
2: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: All right. Thanks to our listeners for spending time with Kurt and I here on the show. We'll see you next week on Our Street.